You are listening to RudolfSteinerAudio.com. As well, you can do these podcasts at RudolfSteiner.Podbean.com. Please consider becoming a patron. There are two publishing houses, SteinerBooks.org in America and RudolfSteinerPress.com in England, which are the sole publishers of Steiner into English and have given me permission to do these recordings. Please consider patronizing them as well. This is a reading of Collected Works, Volume 121 by Rudolf Steiner, 11 lectures entitled The Mission of Folk Souls, translated by Joanna Collis. This is Lecture 6, given in Christiania, Oslo, June 12, 1910. It's the morning lecture. You can imagine how complicated it must be when the spiritual beings of the various hierarchies have to combine their forces in a way that will enable the mission of the earth to be fulfilled, when they have to work in a way that will eventually lead to a state of balance or equilibrium. You will understand, therefore, that statements such as those made yesterday are only valid insofar as they refer to a specific period in evolution, and that the whole picture changes as soon as one depicts evolution in another period. Thus, in order to arrive at an overall understanding of these complex matters, you will always have to view the content of one course of lectures in combination with that of others. I will here draw attention to one point only, and what I am about to say should be taken as a kind of addendum or footnote. The cooperation of all the hierarchies is involved in creating the balance or equilibrium of our earth, Although we must envisage the spirits of will, the cherubim and the seraphim, whom we described yesterday as the third, the highest hierarchy, sending their forces outward from the earth, we should not forget that originally they sent those forces inward from the universe toward the center. But by the time human beings become aware of them, the direction is the opposite for we experience them as being thrown back or reflected. To gain a complete picture of the intricate processes that take place, you will have to compare what I said yesterday with a number of points I made about the hierarchies in the lectures I gave at Dusseldorf, for it was there that a comprehensive depiction of the cosmic aspect of the work of the three hierarchies was presented. These things are not so simple, And in order to gain an understanding of the earth's mission, we need to select the point of view that will show us how the deeds of these spirits of the hierarchies are reflected in what we call the elements of earth existence. If you bear this in mind, you will also sense the infinite wisdom inherent in the whole interplay of the forces of the universe, the forces of the cosmos. And you will, in a way, begin to sense that the field of knowledge must be continually enlarged, that it has no limits, because things are so complicated that as soon as we think we have grasped one viewpoint, we immediately feel the need to move on to another which sheds light on things from a different angle. We can only advance step by step in our knowledge. Nevertheless, from the indications given yesterday, especially at the close of the lecture, you will have gained a clearer understanding of the cooperation of the abnormal and normal spirits of form, which ensures that the population of the earth 
is not limited to a single uniform humanity spread over the whole earth, but one that can manifest in the diversity of the separate races. For a uniform humanity to be attained, such as can now only be recovered during the course of the earth's evolution, it would have been necessary for the normal spirits of form to work by themselves. These are the spiritual beings called Elohim in Genesis. In the universe as a whole, which surrounds the earth and forms a totality together with it, one can detect seven such spirits of form who are undergoing a normal process of development. Thus there are seven spirits of form or seven Elohim. If we wish to form a conception of these seven Elohim with their various missions and their task of establishing equilibrium or love as the ultimate mission of the earth, we must clearly understand that these seven spirits of form cooperate in such a way in the universe as a whole that what we described in Lecture 4 as, quote, the human being in the second third of his life, close quote, would become a reality. If all these seven spirits of form could work in accordance with their declared intention, then their collective labors would bring into existence the proper human being with his I, capital. But because other spiritual beings joined in and brought about a multiplicity within that uniform humanity, it became necessary for a special arrangement to be established in the cosmos. If today you wish to find the locality in the cosmos whence the normal spirits of form send out their influence, those spirits who, as I described yesterday, shine down upon us in the light from our present cosmos, you will have to look for them in the sun. You must look toward the sun to find that cosmic gathering, that community in the universe, where the spirits of form confer with one another regarding the establishment of earthly equilibrium for the fulfillment of the earth's mission. Lest the activity of the abnormal spirits of form should provoke too great a disarray amongst humanity, however, it was necessary for one of the spirits of form to detach himself from the community. You will therefore only find six of these spirits of form, or Elohim, when you look toward the sun. One of them had to detach himself lest the simultaneous activity of the abnormal spirits of form, who are actually spirits of motion, should bring about complete disarray in the equilibrium. This was the spirit who is identified as Yahweh or Jehovah in Genesis. And if you want to find where he works in the universe, you must look not in the direction of the sun, but to wherever the moon is situated at that moment. This is touched on from another angle in my book titled An Outline of Esoteric Science, CW13. There I have shown that the spirits of form departed when the sun was separated off, but that through the special dispensation arising with the separation of the moon, the preliminary conditions were set for the further evolution of humanity. For if the moon had remained united with the earth, the evolution of humanity could not have come about. This further evolution of humanity has only been made possible because one of the Elohim, Yahweh, 
accompanied the separation of the moon, whereas the other six remained in the sun. Yahweh collaborated with his six colleagues through counteraction. You might now wonder why the sun was separated off. This was necessary for the following reasons. After certain older spirits of motion, who possessed more potent forces than the spirits of form, for they stand higher in the ranks of the hierarchies, had decided to remain behind, the normal spirits of form were obliged to modify their activity by detaching one of their members, otherwise they would not have been able to establish the equilibrium necessary for further evolution. To gain a clear idea of the activities of these normal spirits of form, it is best to think of them as streaming down to us in the sunlight. If, however, we wish to understand how the abnormal spirits of form cooperate with the normal spirits of form who are centered in the sun, for Yahweh withdrew toward the moon sphere solely for the purpose of establishing the equilibrium, then we must imagine that a specific sun force which streams toward us in the normal spirits of form is modified by the force that rays down to us from the abnormal spirits of form who are really spirits of motion. These have their center in the other five planets, in Saturn, Jupiter, Mars, Venus, and Mercury, speaking in terms of the seven heavenly bodies of ancient astronomy. Looking out into the cosmos, you now have a picture of the distribution of the normal and abnormal spirits of form. Six of the normal spirits of form are centered in the sun, and one of them, Yahweh or Jehovah, acts from the moon as a counterpoise by virtue of his function as regent and guide of that sphere. The activities of these spirits of form are influenced by the activities proceeding from Saturn, Jupiter, Mars, Venus, and Mercury. These forces stream down upon the earth, are arrested there, and ray outward again from the earth, as was described at the close of yesterday's lecture. Thus, if the Elohim, or normal spirits of form, operating from the sun, were to be active in a particular region of the earth's surface, then only the normal I capital would arise in that particular region. There would only arise that which gives the human being his normal existence, his average humanness. But the forces of Mercury, for example, mingle with these forces of the spirits of form, who through the state of equilibrium would otherwise, in quotes, dance upon the surface of the earth. Thus there dance and vibrate in the forces of the spirits of form not only the normal forces, but also something that mingles with these normal forces of the Elohim, these normal forces of the spirits of form, namely what comes from the abnormal spirits of form who are centered in the various planets. Thus we see that through these abnormal spirits of form there are five potential centers of influence where these reflected planetary forces are concentrated and produce, in effect, what we know as the five principal races in earth existence. Let us now look more closely at the location that in our deliberations in Lecture 4 we found in Africa. 
if we can now explain that the collaboration of the normal spirits of form with the abnormal spirits of form who are centered in Mercury brought the black race into being, then we are able to name the black race quite accurately as the Mercury race. Continuing along the line we drew, linking the centers or focal points from which the individual races spread outward, we come to Asia, where we find the Venus race, the Malayan race. Moving on across the wide expanse of Asia, we come to the Mongolian race, the Mars race. And crossing over into Europe, we find the Europeans who in their original racial character were Jupiter human beings. And when we cross the ocean to America, where races or cultures die out, we there find the race of dark Saturn, the original American Indians. Thus, when you look into this more closely, from the spiritual point of view, you discover how the forces have manifested outwardly in the external world in these five centers, where the planetary influences are concentrated. With a progressively more definite and concrete conception of this distribution, you will develop an inner understanding of the racial characteristics peculiar to the peoples spread over the earth, and understanding this unique cooperation of the normal and abnormal spirits of form. With this we have sketched the picture as it can be seen to relate to a specific location. But what I have said about the various locations is only valid for a specific period of time in evolution. The period in question is the specific moment when, in the evolution of ancient Atlantis, the peoples migrated from a center in Atlantis to those locations where their specific racial characteristics would be appropriately developed. In my book, Title and Outline of Esoteric Science, it is pointed out that the distribution of humanity across the earth was taken in hand at certain specific mystery centers known as oracles in Atlantis, in such a way that the equilibrium attained would ensure the corresponding distribution of the races. The truths we are now speaking about were always investigated in such mystery oracles, and originally people took their direction entirely from them. Whatever occurred on the earth was thus guided by those centers. The wave of peoples who swept across Africa and crystallized into the Ethiopian race is an expression of an impulse from the Mercury Oracle, in which close attention was paid to the way in which the normal spirits of form, the six Elohim, collaborated with Yahweh, while the abnormal spirits of form brought in their influence from the center of Mercury. The point of equilibrium was selected for an earthly location in accordance with such astrological collaboration. And in keeping with this, the point of equilibrium was laid down from which the influence for a specific race emanated. The formation of the other races was determined in a similar way. And in accordance with this, the grand map is drawn, charting the influences with regard to peoples, generations, and so forth. It is a reflection of the cosmic activity that comes about when cosmic influences stream down into the earth and then ray out again from it.
determining how humanity is to evolve. How then may we look upon a member of the Mercury race, the Ethiopian race? We may look upon him as one who was originally chosen by the Elohim to develop in such a way that he would be an expression of humanity in its totality. But then the abnormal spirits of form exercised a strong influence from their Mercury center, thus bringing about variations that developed into the form of the Ethiopian race. This is what happened with each separate race. The migrations of the peoples were guided in specific directions from the original central point, as is shown in the line I sketched for you the other day. You have to imagine the spirits of form radiating out from a center, and we must picture this central location as it existed in a specific period of ancient Atlantis. Something rayed down into the Atlantean continent and fashioned it in such a way that human spirits were brought under the dominion of the abnormal spirits of form. This is how the broad foundations of the different peoples were created, and when we look up into the infinite expanse of the heavens, we must seek there the forces that have combined to create us. They created us as they rayed back again from the earth. When we look up to the normal spirits of form, the Elohim, we are looking up to what made us human beings as such. And when we look up to what is centered in the individual planetary spirits, with the exception of sun and moon, we see what has made each specific race. How did these race spirits work in and upon the human being? They worked in a very unique way by thoroughly, in quotes, boiling his forces right down into the physical body. As you know, the four fundamental members of the human being are projected into and pictured in different parts of the physical body, the eye and the blood, the astral body and the nervous system, the etheric or life body and the glandular system. Only the physical body is sufficient unto itself. It is an image of its own being. And as far as the people of today are concerned, it follows its own inherent laws. Meanwhile, the eye shows itself in the blood, the astral body in the nervous system, and the etheric body in the glandular system. Initially, those spiritual beings who boiled within the human being to determine his racial character could not immediately work directly into his higher members. They first boiled within the imprints of the higher members that exist in the physical body. They could not directly enter into the physical body, but they boiled in the blood, which is the imprint of the eye, in the nervous system, which is the imprint of the astral body, and in the glandular system, which is the imprint of the etheric body. The race spirits, the abnormal spirits of form, boiled in these three systems that belong to the physical body but are imprints of the higher members. Thus you can see how the human physical body was determined from within by these various spiritual beings who intervened in the members of the physical body, which are projections, shadow images of the higher members. Where, for example, did Mercury make its influence felt? 
by Mercury, I mean all the abnormal spirits of form that are found in Mercury. Mercury works together with other beings, especially in the glandular system. It boiled in the glandular system, where are manifested the forces born of the preponderance of the Mercury forces that were active in the Ethiopian race. Everything that gave the Ethiopian race its distinctive character stems from the boiling and bubbling of the Mercury forces in the glandular system of these people. What transformed the undifferentiated, universal human form into the distinctive Ethiopian type with black skin and tightly curled hair is the boiling of the Mercury forces. Moving on to Asia, you will find there what we might call the forces of Venus as an abnormal development of the spirits of form. By transferring their point of impact, chiefly to the imprint of the astral body, these forces worked in the nervous system. They worked on the nervous system in a special way, not directly as Venus spirits. For the nervous system can be indirectly worked upon in two ways, one of those being through respiration. By working especially upon the respiration, these activities are localized in the respiratory and nervous system, giving it a definite form. This is the indirect way in which the abnormal spirits of form, whom we may call Venus beings, worked in the Malayan race, the yellow-brown races of southern Asia and toward the Malay archipelago. Just as the glandular type is found distributed over Ethiopia, so in these regions is found the type of humanity in whom the abnormal spirits of form worked upon the nervous system indirectly through the respiratory system. In the nervous system was boiled what produced the more or less yellow-skinned humanity with special modifications. The transformation wrought here manifested more in the part of the nervous system covered by the term solar plexus, not in the higher or central nervous system, therefore, but in that mysterious part of the nervous system that runs in two cords parallel with the spinal medulla and branches out in various directions to form a network. This part of the nervous system, then, was worked upon by the respiratory system via the detour that, from our point of view, is not yet a part of the higher spiritual activity. The unconscious organism was deeply stirred by these Venus forces that worked in this portion of humanity's races. Let us now move across to the wide expanses of Mongolia. Here, those spirits of form were mainly at work who had taken an indirect route through the blood. Here it was in the blood that certain racial modifications of humanity were boiled. But in the case of the Mongolian race, something quite extraordinary was present. The Mars spirits entered into the blood, where they then worked in a specific way. They worked counter to the six Elohim, who are centered in the sun. Thus in this Mongolian race the Mars spirits worked counter to the six Elohim. At the same time they vehemently opposed Yahweh, who had separated his field to work from that of the six Elohim. Apart from the way these Mars spirits worked in connection with the six Elohim and Yahweh, which led to the creation of the Mongolian race, there is also a further very special aspect to be considered. 
In the case of the Mongolian race, the six Elohim worked in from the sun and Yahweh from the moon, while the Mars spirits worked counter to them. But in another case, we have to assume that the Yahweh forces working in from the direction of the moon joined forces with the Mars spirits, thus bringing about a special modification. Out of the most profoundly esoteric background, you have here the explanation of a special modification of humanity, namely the Semitic race. The Semitic race is a modification of humanity as a whole. Here Yahweh detached himself from the other Elohim and endowed this people with a special character by working in concert with the Mars spirits. You will now understand the special character of the Semitic people and its mission. In a profoundly spiritual sense, the biblical writer was able to point out that Yahweh made this people his own. If you add to this the fact that Yahweh worked together with the Mars spirits and that the Mars spirits principally approach through the blood, you will understand why continuity through the bloodstream from generation to generation was so important for the Semitic Hebrew people and why in the Semitic people Yahweh describes himself as the God who flows down with the blood from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and so on. This is how the blood flows down through all the generations. By describing himself as the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, Yahweh is saying, quote, I am at work in your blood. Close quote. Whatsoever works in the blood, what must be struggled for in the blood? what is collaboration with the Mars spirits, this is one of the mysteries which give us deep insight into the wise guidance of Earth's humanity as a whole. Thus you see the blood of humanity is subject to a twofold influence. Two racial formations emerge, so to speak. On the one hand, there is everything we mean when we speak of the Mongolian race, and on the other, whatever we can count as being Semitic. This points to a great polarity within humanity, and we shall have to attribute infinitely significant conclusions to this polarity if we want to comprehend the depths of the folk souls. We must now turn our attention to how the spirits and beings centered in Jupiter boiled and bubbled within the human being. They chose the second point, that can be approached for direct work on the nervous system, the one that involves the life of the senses. The other point for approaching the nervous system goes into the solar plexus via the respiratory system. The approach from Jupiter took the route via the sense impressions and streamed from there to those parts of the nervous system that are centered in the brain and spinal cord. In the races that belong to the Jupiter humanity, the forces that especially determined racial characteristics flowed into the brain and spinal cord. This applies in varying degrees to the Aryans, the peoples of the Near East and of Europe, whom we regard as belonging to the Caucasians. Here, modification of general humanity, stemming from the abnormal spirits of form, was caused by the influence brought to bear on the senses by those abnormal spirits of form whom we may call the Jupiter spirits.
The Caucasians, then, were determined through the senses. You will thus understand why a people like the Greeks, who were consciously under the special influence of Jupiter or Zeus, and who felt themselves to be a focal point of the Zeus influence, were predominantly determined by what flows into the nervous system via the senses. Of course, the Greeks were also influenced by the forces of the Elohim that stream in from the sun. But they dedicated everything that acts upon the senses to the service of the Jupiter or Zeus influence. And this is how they achieved greatness. Everything they saw as an external form or external life was imbued with an important sense. They saw the spiritual in the physical, and thus became the chief people of sculpture and all external forms. We have here indicated the very special mission of the Greek people, who are so preeminently the people of Jupiter or Zeus. At the time when, especially under the influence of the new stellar constellation, the cooperation of the Jupiter or Zeus forces with the universal Elohim forces took place, they felt themselves to be the people of Zeus. All the peoples of the Near East, and especially the peoples of Europe, are, on the whole, modifications of this Jupiter influence. Since the human being has many senses, you can well imagine that many modifications are possible, and that in the formation of the individual peoples within this principal race, which was formed by the influence of the senses upon the nervous system, one or another of the senses may predominate. Consequently, the various peoples may assume the most diverse forms, according to whether the eyes or the ears or one of the other senses predominates, so will the different peoples respond in one way or another in assuming their particular inclination within the overall racial character. And in consequence of this, each is assigned a quite specific task. The particular task of the Caucasian race is to find the way to the spirit through the senses, for this race is oriented chiefly toward the senses. Here is something that introduces us to the deeper secrets of spiritual knowledge. It shows how in those peoples who were subject to the Venus forces, the initial steps in development, even in spiritual development, had to be concentrated on the respiratory system. Amongst the peoples living more toward the west, on the other hand, the initial steps had to begin from an enrichment and a spiritualization of the life of the senses. This was experienced in the stages of higher cognition, in imagination, inspiration, and intuition, by those peoples inhabiting countries more toward the west, insofar as the Jupiter spirit originally modified their character. There are thus these two centers in the evolution of humanity, the one presided over by the spirits of Venus and the other by those of Jupiter. As those of you will know who attended my lecture course in Munich last year, the Jupiter spirits in particular were perceived in those mysteries in which the three individualities finally came together, those three spiritual beings, Buddha, Zarathustra, or Zarephath, in his later incarnation, and that great leader of humanity known to us as Scythianos. That is the council, in quotes, 
which, under the guidance of one who was even greater, set itself the task of investigating those mysterious forces that must be developed for the evolution of that part of humanity which originated from the center initially connected with the Jupiter forces and which was predetermined in the map of the earth already mentioned. Finally, the abnormal spirits of form, who have their center in Saturn, worked in the glandular system indirectly via all the other systems. In the Saturn race, in everything to which we must ascribe the Saturn character, we must expect to find the combination of forces leading to the twilight of humanity, forces that set the seal upon its development and sow the seeds of its final decline. This action and its effect on the glandular system can be seen in the Indian race of America as the cause of its mortality and disappearance. Via all the other systems, the Saturn influence finally worked into the glandular system. This lays down the most unyielding parts of the human being, and one can say that this slow decline is characterized by a kind of ossification that is clearly reflected in the external form. In pictures of old American Indians, you cannot fail to see the process of ossification leading to the decline of that race. In such a race as this, everything pertaining to the forces of the Saturn evolution has become realized in a special manner. But then it drew back into itself, abandoning the human being to his bony system and thus hastening his decline. One feels something of this truly mysterious activity if one observes how, even in the nineteenth century, a representative of those old American Indians still preserved a memory of the great Atlantean civilization that could not adapt itself to later evolution. There exists a description of a telling scene in which a chieftain of the declining Indian race confronted a European intruder. Imagine the conflicting emotions in the hearts of two such men confronting one another, one representing those who came from Europe and the other those who, in the earliest stages, at the time of the distribution of the races, moved westward. The American Indians brought over to the West all that was great in the Atlantean culture. What the Indian valued most highly was that he was still able, dimly, to sense something of the former greatness and majesty of a period that existed in the old Atlantean epoch, when the separation of the races had hardly begun when human beings could look up to the sun and perceive the spirits of form approaching through a sea of mist. Through an ocean of mist, the Atlantean was able to perceive the group of six or seven, not yet divided, but working in concert. And this cooperative activity was called by the Atlanteans the Great Spirit, who revealed himself to human beings in ancient Atlantis. The Atlantean had not assimilated all that the Venus, Mercury, Mars, and Jupiter spirits brought about in the East, to which we owe all the civilizations that reached their zenith in Europe in the middle of the 19th century. That son of the brown race had not participated in all that. He had held firm to the great spirit of the primeval past. He became aware of the achievements of the Europeans, who, in a remote past, had also known the Great Spirit, 
when a piece of paper was presented to him on which were many little symbols, letters, of which he understood nothing. Such things were alien to him, for in his soul still dwelt the great spirit. The speech he made has been preserved, and it is noteworthy, because it provides evidence of what we have already indicated. It went something like this. Quote, Here in the soil, trampled beneath the feet of the conquerors, the bones of my brothers lie buried. Why are the feet of our conquerors permitted to travel upon the graves of my brothers? Because they are in possession of something that makes the white man great. It is something else that makes the brown man great. He is made great by the great spirit who speaks to him in the rushing of the wind, in the murmuring of the forest, in the rippling of the water, in the gurgling of the brook, in thunder and lightning. That is the Spirit who speaks truth to us. Indeed, the Great Spirit does speak truth. Your spirits here on the paper, and to express what to you is great, they do not speak truth. Close quote. This is how the Indian chief told things as he saw them. The brown man belongs to the great spirit, the pale face, to the spirits hopping about like little black goblins, he meant the written letters, on the paper. What they speak is not truth. Here we have a dialogue of historic importance taking place between the conquerors and the last of the great chiefs of the brown people. It shows us an example of the Saturn forces and their activity and what came about on earth in their collaboration with other spirits at a moment when two directions of civilization met. Thus we have seen how here on earth universal humanity was brought into being by the Elohim, or normal spirits of form, how then the five principal races of human evolution became detached from the collective body of humanity, from the teeming mass of humanity, and how they are related to the guiding spirits in the ranks of the abnormal spirits of form, whom we must name after the five planets, whereas the normal spirits of form are centered in the sun and the moon. From here we will pass on to something that will be easier to understand, because we will be able to relate it to something more familiar, namely tribes and peoples. The end of Lecture 6